in the room Dang. all right we're in the we're in the chat we started the show i see claudia there calling claudia and then you're in there too as well she said calling in now all right Yeah, we don't have a filter on the show either, so. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> we we believe little, in free I'm, speech. Yeah, appreciate that. I'm a little nervous, so if I sound if I'm a little quiet, you want to ask me something directly, you know, directly just ask. I'll, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Okay, it's we new, we, ha- we have her calling in here. Hey, Claudia. Hello. Hello, boys, gentlemen. There we go. Do we have, do we have Kent? Yes, we do. I'm here. All right. Well, Kent, we're going to let the uh, Tim and Dave start the show off. They'll introduce me, and then I'll bring you in. Okay, great. Okay. Have a great show. Yes. Um, we don't have anybody in here. Oh, we got Michelle. It's, you know, Michelle is always the first She's one. She's diehard. Yeah. Hey, Michelle. She's loyal. Yes, she is. She's on everyone. A lot of craziness in the world. It was tough to promote, but we'll get it going. Yeah. It'll be oh, good. No, we got Whatever it we do is good. Yes. And I got my technical difficulties uh, taken care of, too, with the uh, – I couldn't get the uh, last interview on. <laughs> it was just a long story. I don't want to talk about it. Either way, I got it fixed. Okay. You want to bring us in? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, all right. You guys, you can. No, you usually bring me in. Yeah, I bring you in, but I'm at Dave. Usually brings me. Oh, in. I'm going to bring everybody. Hey, in. Dave, what Dave are you waiting is, for, Dave? Yeah, I, was waiting, I was waiting until exactly six o'clock, which it is right now. Oh, okay, six perfect. Six one. All, All right. right. Public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. Okay. Sunday right. fun day. We're in. Welcome to the Daily Addict uh, podcast. It's your boy, Tim and Dave. Hey, this is the DAP presents the wonderful, beautiful and talented Claudia Mirandi. Welcome, Claudia, to the show. Hey, guys. How's everybody? We're doing well. We're hanging in there. We're still here. We're still, uh, you know, waiting for the craziness to continue. Tough time. Tough time for the country. Um, you want me to take Kent on right now, or did you guys want to talk a little, or let's get the um, show on the road? Yeah, we get the show on the road. Let's get All it going. Right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to share it with myself, Tim and Dave. The Don't Punish Pain Rally proudly supports the Daily Attic. We collaborate with one another. Uh, there's power in numbers. As a reminder, don't forget to get out there and protest. I use that word protests now on october 7th check your state's facebook page to find out where your don't punish pain rally will be held important to get those numbers most importantly please don't forget to comment on the cdc portal they're wanting to know if the 2016 c guidelines have helped you get the pain management you need which is um just laughable uh so don't forget to comment on the cdc portal uh i'm so happy to welcome to tonight's show kent morell kent is from tennessee and he is running for senate and uh, lamar alexander is retiring and let's see what we can do to get kent and Lamar Alexander's chair. Welcome, Kent. Hello. Thank you for having me tonight. That was, it's, um, it's nice to talk with you again. Kent, you came across my social media thread probably, I think, three months ago. And That's right. we, we spoke just briefly over Messenger. Um, and then I had the chance to talk with you. And you're just, you know, you're you're a breath of fresh air, Uh, but running for Senate seems like a huge undertaking, but we're so glad you're doing it. So, Kent, you live in Tennessee, and a lot of people don't know that you're a pain patient. Hey, Claudia, real quick, I think there's, I don't know if you got your Bluetooth speaker on, uh, your Bluetooth headphones on you or or what you, but we're getting a little bit of sound like some uh, feedback. 
It's not really like feedback. Some... It's like it's like rubbing. It's like there's some rubbing going on. <laughs> Are you rubbing? I'm just saying. I mean, it's what it sounds like. Can can this is not yeah, I'm a, on a wire. <laughs> I'm on a wire can... here. <laughs> This is not a completely R-rated show. I can assure you all, I'm not rubbing anything. But, <laughs> but maybe I was <laughs> touching something. How is it now? Is it any better? Actually, or is yes. it the same? No, okay. it is. no, it is. Okay. So, Kent, um, tell us about yourself and why are you running for Senate? And let's talk about the accident, the T-bone accident that brought you to the place where you are. So let's start from the beginning. My apologies. Start from the beginning. Okay. Well, I was in a car accident on my son's third birthday in 2000. It was September 22nd. It was a Friday afternoon. I own a small business. So I do a lot of driving and I was on my last run of the day and I was in a, on a back road and I happened to notice I was about to get nailed. And I had enough, about two seconds to, to see the car coming at me. And I had enough time to tense up and hold on to my steering wheel as tightly as possible. That was the worst thing I could have done. And knocked my van three feet off the road. And because I was so tense, it ripped the thoracic muscles that attach your, your spine. Initially, I was rather irritated that this interrupted my day. And the police officer that they responded told my wife, you need to get him to the hospital because he's hurt worse than he realizes. And I didn't want to go. Well, about three hours later, I went because the pain was showing up. And uh, that started my, my first descent into hell. But that was my beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you, I'm sorry. I, don't, I just don't want to forget about the, um, I, I just interrupted you. My apologies, Kent. Please continue. Okay. Well, they sent me to physical therapy for two years. Um, mm-hmm. trying to fix the muscles. And then they realized I have joint laxity and they said that was the worst thing they could have done. So they allowed scar tissue to grow into the medial branch that causes constant pain. So the medical community contributed to my permanent pain with bad medical advice. It's the cookie cutter approach to medicine that we see now that was going on at the same time. Now, nobody knew. It wasn't like it was anybody's fault. I just have joint laxity issues and that's just in the family line. It wasn't something I even thought about at the time. But I played the game. I, I, I had major surgery in August of, of 2002, an attempt to remove the scar tissue that didn't work. And they finally sent me to pain management six months later. And the doctor said, it's time to realize this is permanent. Adjust your life accordingly. Well, that meant my wife was going to have to get a job. We were going to have to pull kids out of school. They were in a private school. And we were going to have to move because we couldn't afford where we were living. And so for the next 16 years, um, I lived in pain management, trying to live in pain management, and it was a nightmare. And you're in Tennessee, and Lord mm. knows, everything's harder to do in Tennessee when it comes to cannabis and pain medication, and just, I didn't even think that pain management existed in Tennessee any longer. So you're on, you're on this roller coaster of a ride, Kent, going to pain management. And I'm sure um, it sounds like you, you did have a doctor, though, who was treating you with compassion for a while. Is that correct? Correct. I, I was at a, uh, a pain management clinic from 2002 until 2013. I've had 52 surgical procedures on my spine. That's radiofrequency ablations, medial branch blocks. That doesn't even count epidurals and trigger point injections. But uh, I started hearing about a genetic test that was available in 2012. It's the cytochrome P450 test that shows what medicines work and which don't and why. And uh, my pain management group wouldn't run it. So I kept looking for places to find it cheaper because it was an expensive test. And uh, in 2013, I found a a testing company that was willing to do the test for free if they could show the group how it worked. It was a $5,000 test from them. And my group turned it down. And that made me angry. So I left that group. I went to a, a uh, primary care doctor that specialized in pain while he was treating pain. And uh, he ran the test at my first appointment. And it showed I have genetic issues. I don't process medications correctly. And he doubled my medicine over the next two months. And that was for the next two years. It was the best pain management I received. He sent me for a sleep study, checked my hormone levels. It was comprehensive pain management that did not require epidurals and surgeries. It was 
holistic, you know, overall care. Well, in 2015, the state of Tennessee decided I needed to see a specialist. All chronic pain patients had to go to a specialist because primary care doctors were not qualified to treat pain. And that was the best pain management I'd had up until that point for 15 years. And then I lost. He couldn't treat me anymore, so it took seven months to find a doctor that would be willing to treat me because I'm a high-dose patient now. Mm-hmm. And it was like kryptonite. I mean, nobody wanted to touch me. Things, the CDC guidelines were about to come out. This was early 2016 when I finally got in to see him. And then, you know, what happened with the CDC guidelines? And for the next two years, so from 2016, uh, I get a little lost in my story because so, it's so long. It's a 20-year-long story. So 2016... Sure. I saw him three times over two years and saw a nurse practitioner at most of the visits. And mm-hmm. at my second time I saw him, and each time I, th- I saw him, he, he told me what he's writing me pulls up his average for the entire group, his morphine equivalency. Mm-hmm. And he was about to get audited. He was worried about the state coming in to do an audit. And that was all he talked about was his audit that was coming up and how I pulled up his entire average. So in October of, um, 2017, he started pushing a, an implantable pain pump on me, not because it was in my best interest. It was in his because it would get the numbers down so low. He said the state's too stupid to realize it's, it's an equivalent med- medicine, but the morphine equivalency is so low that this won't be a problem, even though I could only fill it through him. <laughs> and I know the failure rates on implantable pain pumps. Now, mm-hmm. so let, me go, let me go back to 2013. If you suffer long enough, you will do anything for relief. And my wife suffers from migraines, and she goes to a neurologist to have Botox shots for, to treat the migraines. And I happen to be with her on one of these appointments. And the neurologist said, I might be able to, I have constant spasm as one of my problems, muscle spasm that's constant. And the doctor said, I believe I could paralyze those muscles that are causing those spasms with Botox. Extremely experimental use, off-label. Well, I said, sure. What's the worst that could happen, right? It's not. So it was a terrible mistake because it paralyzed the wrong muscles and it looked like I was having, yeah, I had, it looked like somebody was hitting me with a baseball bat for about three months, about every three seconds. Mm. So we, re, we refer to that as the Botox incident of 2013. And that ended my search for experimental treatment. That was when I realized things can always be worse. And I was just trying to, to make it to the next day. Mm-hmm. So, Feel free to jump in anytime. Well, it sounds like Kent, were you, were you a hyper? Did you metabolize metabolize your medicine, a hyper metabolizer? Yes, hyper inducer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and for the people who aren't pain patients, if you metabolize your medicine, you need more medicine. And now we're now. It sounds like you had a good two years. Um, you have this test done. Uh, most doctors will not do a test to see if you metabolize your your opioids, your heroin pills, as Andrew Kolodny refers to them. And right. but right. now you've got a good two years. You've been subjected to probably hundreds of steroid blocks, and now you you're forced to see a random anesthesiologist who doesn't know you, doesn't know your background. And I believe that a primary care physician is the only person that should be treating a person, a patient's pain, because who knows you better than your family doctor. Now you're thrust into some random anesthesiologist. It sounds like you've probably only saw him once or you only saw her once. And now you're stuck with uh, a nurse practitioner who knows less than anybody about pain management. And automatically, the first thing that you're greeted with is my ratios. Because if you're, if you're receiving most of the medication, you're going to throw off this doctor's practice, his ratios. And those ratios, that's what triggers uh, a state medical board investigation. And, um, and they work in tandem with the DEA. And you've been in a horrible accident. It sounds like you had to start from the beginning. You've got young people and all this doctor is talking to you about are the ratios. At this point, not only are you in pain, but you're disgusted with the medical system. Um, oh, absolutely. Then- at, this, at this point, you get PTSD just from the doctor's appointment and the stress of going to it because you're worried about, am I going to be able to receive the pain management I need? So every 28 days, it's it's a terrible stress going, just getting ready to go to the doctor and the fear of going to the doctor. Well, yeah. in December 
let's see, October, he, he wanted me to do the pain pump. The, the trial was scheduled for December. Well, in December, I, I called and canceled that because I just decided I'm not even going to go through the trial. I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm not going to do any more invasive surgeries. I'm over that. I knew what worked. We figured out the medicine that worked. And uh, so they were like, okay. In the January appointment, they asked me again. I said no again. February appointment went well. March, I show up and they hand me a letter that says I've been dismissed for the practice due to irregularities on my drug screen. Well, there were no irregularities on my drug screen. I went to my firm and they would not give me a copy. They told me I needed to leave. They would forward my files somewhere else. Well, they never forwarded. Now you're you're treated. Now you're treated like a criminal, probably because a, you, you canceled the pain pump because now you're not, you're considered a non-compliant patient. So you've canceled a pain pump and you never had a chance to see your urine drug screen. That's what it sounds like. And it's mysteriously vanished. Mm. Um, Mm. So I went to my primary care doctor and had him run a drug test that day and it came back normal. What was supposed to be in my system was in my system and there wasn't anything else in my system. And at this point, I was tired of pain management. I was tired of the game. I was tired of the stress. And we had... uh, this was in, I believe March 27th was, was the date that he dropped me. I had a daughter graduating from flight training. She's, she was flight attendant at the time when we were going to the graduation in Dallas. And then I had two other daughters getting married over the one in March. I mean, one in April and one in June. And my only goal for, for 2018 was to live long enough to walk my two daughters down the aisle. So I knew how much medicine I had left. How I was going to budget it out. So I cut my long-acting medicine in half the day my doctor dropped me just so I could get to my, my the first wedding in April. And the, the withdrawal was awful. I expected it. I knew it was going to be bad. Two days after her wedding, I, I ended my long acting medicine that I had been on for 17 years. That was, that was bad enough. So it was on my short acting medicine until the June wedding. That was June 9th. And I stopped my short acting medicine on uh, two days after that wedding. So, I knew the withdrawal would be bad, but I didn't realize, I didn't think it would be worse than what I had already gone through. Well, when I ended the medicine, the short acting medicine, when there were no more, no more pain medicine in my system, the withdrawal I went through for the next six months was horrendous. I cannot tell you how bad it was. I actually told my wife about a month later, I said, baby, I just don't see the point of continuing. I can't live like this. I was ready to exit. My wife did not appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So I decided and I hate you know, people get to this point. I decided if I'm going to die anyway, and I'm talking about suicide, I was going to kill myself. That was, that was just ready to go. I decided if I'm going to die anyway, I should try an illegal option first because I'm going to die anyway. So at the time, my daughter was flight attendant. I could have gone anywhere in the world for about 50 bucks. That's what, at the time, parents flew for. And I literally thought about going to Switzerland to try heroin. It's a brand name drug over there. It's very safe when used appropriately in Europe. And I thought about going and trying heroin. And uh, a friend of mine said, man, you should try cannabis. And I thought, that's ridiculous. That's not going to work. That's a, compared to what I'm on, I thought this is a lightweight treatment that only helps people with rheumatoid arthritis and things like that. And like you said, I'm a, I'm a Tennessee guy. We're Knoxville is the buckle on the Bible belt. I've been taught my whole life that cannabis is a gateway drug and it's bad. Well, cannabis was the option that was available to me without leaving the country. So my, I had a friend to help me, and we started working on delivery methods and strains. Well, a few months later, I found a strain. It took a long time. to get six months. It was six more months to get this. It was 15 months from the time my doctor dropped me until Memorial Day last year, and that's the day I finally found the strain mix that worked. And I got my life back on Memorial Day last year, and I've been going hard ever since. And I'm, I'm mad at the government for telling us that cannabis was bad. Cannabis saved my life. It's an exit drug. It is safe and effective. And that's, that's what got me into politics. So I'm tired of the way pain patients are being treated. I'm tired of the way doctors are being treated. Patients need treatment options. And I'm, it ought to be between the doctor and the patient. It, it shouldn't matter what it is. All right. I was just going to say, we need the applause. I, <laughs> You see, I was just going to text Dave and say, I need a pause right now. Kent, you're getting me so excited right now. I'm not rubbing anything, but you're getting me so <laughs> stoked to hear your, where you're, it sounds like you're in just a 
good place right now. Your pain is being managed with cannabis. And I don't want to be too intrusive and ask about, you know, what, because I know a lot of people want to know because they're in so much pain. And it sounds like you found something that works for you and you're not going through. Yeah, we want to know what strain and the, you know, the, I know it's, I think when we spoke, you said it was the oil. Um, but like you've just invigorated me, you've just given me life back. So I'm, I'm so thankful. Yeah. It's just inspiring because Ken, you know, that pit when you're driving to that pain management visit and you're, you're praying and you're like, Oh my God, is today the day I get caught off? And then you walk in the room and then they sit down and you go deaf in one ear and you can hear your heart beating and you say, am I going to, are they going to taper me some more? And they're going to, it's this whole, this song and dance. It's, it's bullshit. It needs to stop. And Ken Morrell is in Tennessee and he is fighting for cannabis reform, uh, pain management reform. And if you're in Tennessee, folks, and you're going to listen to this, please get on, do whatever you have to do. Get out there and vote for Kent Morrell, because I already like you, Kent, um, just from the few conversations we've had. Now, but Senate, that's a big seat. That's a big undertaking, right? Why Senator and why why not local rep? Um, Well, let me tell you about that. So, Last year, after Memorial Day, I, I felt good. So we got more done around the house for the first 19 days than we had the previous 19 years. My wife and I went to the beach five times. And I didn't know this was going to last. I thought, I've got to cram as much life as I can in now, because I don't know if I'm going to get tomorrow. So I literally would wake up, and, and, and I'm not a morning person, or I didn't used to be. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning and go all day long doing everything I can and still feel like getting up the next day. So this is like, I have an appreciation for life now that I don't think most people have. I, I love waking up in the morning and feel like getting out of bed. It's amazing. So in August, I thought, wow, maybe this is going to be a long-term thing. I should start thinking about the future because when you live with permanent pain, it is hard to think about the future because the future is not a pleasant place to be when you're in permanent pain and you don't know if you're going to have pain management. So, I did not allow myself to think about the future for years. Um, matter of fact, I was mostly bedridden for about a decade because it took them four and a half years to figure out a treatment that worked. And, um, and then with the 52 surgery procedures I had, the normal recovery was four weeks on those. So that's, that's about eight and a half years that I was bedridden on that. So in August last year, I thought, I own a small business. I could go back to my business. I've got a great business partner. He's kept me in business for 27 years, and I would not be here without him. I could go back to my business and I thought that's really selfish. I found something that works for me and it's illegal in my state. This is ridiculous. Now let me go back. I've been advocating for, for, for medical cannabis since 2015 because I'd heard it was effective and I wanted treatment options starting in 2015, but I did not feel comfortable using it myself until I had access to nothing else. So I, I am on the board of the directors of safe access Tennessee. It's, it's a, a group, a subchapter of safe access for America. And, and we work in Nashville on, a, on trying to get a bill passed. And we had one this year, which was about to be passed until the COVID-19 came along. And they've done a, a, an abbreviated session and they put off our bill till next year. So I'm frustrated about that. So in August, I thought I should run for something. And I started looking at the races that were available. And I, I'm really unhappy with my state senator. He's a physician and he thinks he knows everything. And I've spent hours talking to this man and he gives me lip service and then he won't vote to support patients. And um, mm-hmm. I decided I should run against this man. What can, what can I do? Well, he's not up for two more years, this, this district. And I thought I should do something to practice. What else is available? U.S. Senate. I'll run for U.S. Senate. Lamar Alexander's retiring. Well, uh, nobody was expecting anything out of me. This was an easy run for me because I thought nobody's going to expect it. This is this is a trial run. I'm a nobody. Nobody's going to know me. I can get some experience. Well, then the chronic pain community found out a chronic pain patient was running for office. And Claudia, you found out. And Kathy King found out. And a number of people found out and started sharing it. And I couldn't handle the response. So when I initially talked to you, Claudia, I was overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed with the response. I put you off. 
And I was afraid I had offended you because I told you I can't, I can't even talk to you yet because I couldn't handle the response coming in and I wasn't sure what to do. So I brought in some more people and we redid the website. And, and so now we've got an actual campaign going on and this could actually work in the state of Tennessee. If, if you want to talk about politics in the state, I can tell you the math on this. What's, what's the website? Well, well, yeah. So let's first, where can people donate? Because I'm, I'm getting text as we speak. How can people donate to your campaign? Well, if you go to my website, it's kentmorell2020.com, and there's a there's a contact and donate button at the top. And, and initially, I, I have not publicly asked for donations. Now, I'm not going to turn donations down. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a fool. But I'm not, I'm not publicly asking. People are sending donations, and I've been overwhelmed with that. But you'll have to look for the donate button. It's not prominent on my page because this is not a money-making operation for me. I'm trying to do this as wisely you're as an I honest, can. And I, you're an honest guy, Ken, and we like that. We appreciate that, uh, especially in the pain community. Right. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So this is this is exciting to be to be out and getting the word out and getting people to find out about what's going on to chronic pain patients. But right now, there are 13 people running for the Republican nomination in the state of Tennessee. I've, I've done analysis on previous primaries. I can't find anything like this. So President Trump has already endorsed Bill Haggerty. He's the big money guy. Oh, and no one in this race has elected office experience that I can find. Now, one of the candidates was a former ambassador to Japan, and that's, that's his political experience. He's a big – another one is the surgeon from Nashville, and they are going toe-to-toe. I mean, every other ad is each one of them. And what I expect is they're going to split the vote. And if, if based on the last vote, I initially thought maybe 800,000 people would come out and vote. 726,000 voted in 2018, and there was two candidates. And a no-name candidate in that election got 113,000 votes. In this election, let's say it's a presidential year, so let's say 800,000 people show up. 300,000 votes would win this primary for me. Because if there's 800,000 votes and the two big names split the vote, that's 500,000 votes split by the two of them. But I cannot out-conservative the two big-name candidates. I can't. I mean, I'm, I just can't. But I checked the boxes. I didn't even realize it. I've, I checked the boxes for the Republicans. I, I, I've grown up in Tennessee. I mean, that's just what we are down here. But I, I'm more conservative libertarian now. I'm, I'm not happy with any party. And uh, I think if we get, if we can get the word out, we can win this. It actually sure. works. There, there are 1.3 million residents of Tennessee statistically that are dealing with chronic pain of some kind. You add in caregivers, just family members that are with them. That's another one, another million. And then there are 600,000 people using cannabis medically in the state of Tennessee. So that's over 3 million people. So 10% of those, if we can get the word out, would win this primary for me. And we can make changes from the inside for people. Now, Ken, on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? I I couldn't find you on Twitter. (laughs) Well, I have a Twitter account. Twitter is kind of new to me. It's Kent Morrell. Let me find it. I don't actually know for... We can find um, I it. Post, I, could, well, yeah, I try I to a, tag you. It's at Kent Morrell. Kent underscore Morrell. It's, it's okay. At Kent Morrell. Okay. And, and, and we, a, so, so Kent, what is your, let's say this race is between, I think you said just one vote, you can be senator, right? Well, correct. There, Tennessee, Tennessee is, is, is an interesting state. We are an open primary state, which means, any registered voter can vote in either primary. You can't vote in both, but you can vote in either one. And we do not have a runoff provision in the state of Tennessee. And that means whoever has the most votes wins. So there's no you have to have 50%. It's whoever wins with the most votes wins this primary. And is Haggerty running any commercials yet? Oh, good Lord. Haggerty and Sethi, it's wall-to-wall. Haggerty and Sethi. Okay. All the media is, 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 is Senate stuff right now. So we have That's to bring. They're going to split the vote, right? Okay, so we have to bring awareness to your media. You need to start getting. Have you? Have you? Are you doing any press at this point? I've just begun 
press. The word okay. has just filtered down to the state level. So there's more national attention on me than there is state attention on me right now, which is rather unusual. <laughs> sure, but it's, it, I'll tell you, this is really exciting. Now, what is Haggerty's um, stance on cannabis? Well, Haggerty believes he's going to win. So he, he has not had to say anything about cannabis, um, which it seems to be what the party does. If they don't have to talk about a controversial issue, they'll avoid it. Um, statistically speaking, about, uh, I can't remember the Vanderbilt poll right now, but it, it was a majority of the state wants medical cannabis. I, I believe there's a good bit that wants rec to. My issue is medical. I believe recreational is inevitable and it should be legal. It should be a choice that people get to make on their own. Um, but uh, now Dr. Sethi, uh, he has come out and said that cannabis, believes cannabis is a gateway drug. That's been very frustrating. If there were a candidate that were pro-cannabis and pro-patient, I would get behind them because mm-hmm. this, this is new for me. You know, this is, Sure. By fire. And I'm, I'm fine with that because I've walked through hell for the past 20 years. I don't think there's anything politically you can do to make anything worse than what I've already been through. Absolutely. So that's why people have been, people have been surprised that I'm open about what's worked for me, but I don't know what else to do to change the narrative. Um, unless other people come out and say, yes, I use medical cannabis and people have told me privately, but they won't talk about it publicly. And uh, it's it's sad. It's sad that we have to have to hide what works for us. Right. And it's so, you know, because once you start to get that notoriety in your run, um, people start digging and they're going to bring awareness to the fact that you were on opiates for, you know, to treat this pain. And now you sit on a cannabis board. Um, And I'm in New England. I'm in Rhode Island. You're in Tennessee. We live in completely different world you know it's so it's polar opposite tennessee to rhode island you know my senator's like oh we gave you weed what more do you want but it's just a different mindset in my southern states it's just uh so ken i didn't i thought you were young how old are you i'll be 52 this year oh you're still young okay i'm because i'm i Think of, you know, when you told me about your car accident and holding onto the steering wheel the other day when I was with my daughter, I said, you know, once you start driving, if you see a car is about to, you know, slam into you, don't hold onto that steering wheel tight. And she looked at me, she's like, um, yeah, for some reason that stuck in my mind from our conversation. And you, you really have been through hell. And unless you've suffered pain, daily, chronic pain pain. And that's all when you're in pain like that, you can't think about anything else. But when you cross over into the suicidal ideation boat, that's a different, that's a just a different ball game. It really breaks you. But it sounds like you have a solid family, your wife stood by you through all of this. It sounds like you have a lovely family. Um, you have children and they support you. What do they think about um, you being perhaps a senator? Well, they're glad I have a new hobby. <laughs> sure. They're excited. I mean, they're they're they are surprised to see me as active as I am because they've grown up. You know, my, it was my son's third birthday, so he's getting married in two weeks. So he's his whole life has seen me go through this. And my oldest daughter was nine when it happened, and she's had the hardest time with it because it was a dramatic lifestyle change for her. So it's mm-hmm. it's a terrible thing. I mean. Uh, speaking of about the the the, the suicide, suicidal ideation, I dismissed anxiety and depression before I went through severe anxiety and depression. And when I went through it, I was stunned by how awful it was. I, I cannot, I fear anxiety, severe anxiety and severe depression are the worst things in the world. It is worse than physical pain. I've, mm-hmm. I've experienced it. It is, there's no description that adequately conveys how bad severe anxiety and severe depression is. So if someone is out there suffering, do what you have to do to survive and don't feel guilty about it. Get help. Talk to someone. It helped me. It was it's a terrible thing to go because you can't think your way out of it. No. And as a guy, yeah. we, you know, we rely on logic or at least what we think is logic. We're happy in our little logical mind. 
And I don't know if you've ever seen the old Star Trek episode where Spock was out of his mind. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Just complete out of control, no logic. It was terrible. It was, it was awful. Yeah, it's a black hole. And when you're going through that time in your life, you're really only left with your thoughts. And for a person who's already in the black hole and where they're left only with their thoughts, it's dangerous. And people, especially I, you know, we speak with hundreds of pain patients weekly. And more often than not, they say, Claudia, this is it. I can't, I'm going to kill myself over the next 30 days can you help me and it's heartbreaking it's not it's not one it's 1000 weekly it and you wonder is there any is there any help in sight is anybody listening to this community or are we just dismissed as a bunch of addicts a bunch of junkies i mean i've i've seen you know, I know what people think about people who use opioids. Even when I'm with my friends, um, you know, they're like, you, you don't take pain medication daily anymore, do you? And there's this yeah. stigma that's just been thrown on you. And it's not as, it's not, pain isn't enough, but when you have the stigma and the dance that you have to go through just to survive, it's wrong. It's criminal. What are you going to do about it, Ken? Well, because you you may not be senator this time around, but I think once you have the taste for it, maybe you'll be a congressperson in two more years. But what are your plans? How do you plan to tackle the medical board mafia, the dirty DEA agents, the the bizarre stance on cannabis and everything else, and the interference with the doctor-patient relationship. Any have you thought about any of this? Obvi- I mean, obviously. Right. So last August, when I decided to do this and to do my practice run, there was a full plan to this, and the run was part of it. It wasn't the primary part because I didn't anticipate the traction that I have received. So uh, my full-time job now is, is, is fixing this, is working on this. This is my, I've started another business to fund this. I wasn't expecting the traction. So I figured I was going to have to do this on my own, which means and I, I know how to do business. I've owned a business for 27 years. I, I see opportunity and I take advantage of it. Well, the opportunity here is politics. So there's some behind the scenes thing that I've got going on that I don't want to bring up yet. Um, but I'm advocating for change professionally, whether it's in office or not. My job now is to, is to work for change for patients, doctors, protections for doctors, treatment options for patients. And that's, that's what my goal is. And I believe we can, it'd be easier to do that from the inside because a lot of people don't realize that senators have staff. I mean, a lot of staff, staff that work with other senators, staff that lobbies for certain issues. So can you imagine how effective it would be to have even, I mean, I'd love to have tons of senators up there, but to have one whose primary focus was treatment options for patients, protecting doctors, and removing the government from the doctor-patient relationship. It could be pretty simple, right? Very I mean, simple. and yeah. it, 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 this is a, a fairly easy fix. You, you think about it, we have to do a few things. You have to eliminate the 2016 CDC guidelines, which should have never been created because the CDC has zero business in opioid prescribing, but they lumped oh, it into absolutely. a disease, right? So let's shit can the, t- the CDC guidelines. Number two, no more, no qualified immunity for DEA. Number three, eliminate the DEA is not allowed to raid doctors' offices. They're not allowed. Absolutely. Right. Eliminate it. I agree. And yep. Police the medical boards because the medical boards also have qualified immunity and they work together. The medical boards print out the highest prescribers. They hand that to the DEA and that's how the raid begins. And then it trickles down to the pharmacy. All we really need from the beginning, I said, really all we need are four senators to make a statement acknowledging hold the phone, this is happening and it needs to not be happening. Get rid of the, the 16 CDC guidelines. There shouldn't be any guidelines. A doctor, you know, this is supposed to be individualized patient care. I don't need a cop in my clinic when I'm writing a script. 
So now everybody stopped prescribing. There's just a few only, but we have to, the word needs to get out. Do not raid a doctor's office or else. You make sure you fill that person's script or else. And what we are doing, Kent, we finally have a lawsuit that's about to be filed against CVS. And that's going to send a message. You fill a patient's script because you're not a doctor. You want to call the doctor to confirm it? Fine. But that's another hurdle this community has to go through. Driving 300 miles to get your script filled. What? It, this... It's it's draconian. It's sick. It's twisted. Um, it is. It's re- torturous. It's uh, and the bottom line of this. This is torture. So if you have a, a group of people that need assistance and they can't get assistance, well, they're going to they're going to die off. So it's, for the government's view, if they view chronic pain as a problem, well, if they wait long enough, it's a self-correcting problem because we'll eventually kill ourselves off. But mm-hmm. what they've done is create an environment where Drug use is going up. People are people are going to do what I did and, and try to find something that works before we select the final option. Because, you know, I would really rather live. That's my preference is to be able to function and have a life and enjoy my family. That's all I want. But the government won't let me do that. Mm-hmm. How, how disgusting you think about it. Our government, our medical boards, which were created to protect the public, which is the biggest crock, the medical boards are only there to protect themselves. They are driving up the overdose rate in this country. Think about it. The CDC guidelines were created to do exactly the opposite of what they're doing. And nobody is willing to bring awareness to it because there's so much money to be made in Suboxone, in rehab um, centers. And, but it's not working. The fa- it's the failed war on drugs and patients, pain patients and well-intentioned physicians have become the collateral damage. Nobody, nobody cares though. And all we need are four senators to come together to support one another. I'll tell you what, Kent, the only bipartisan issue agreed on is opiates are bad. That's it. That's the only yeah, issue both yeah. parties agree on. And it's sad because it's, it's a lie. Opiates are just a tool, and you use the right tool for the right job. And if physicians have gone to school to be trained to use it, then let them use the tool that they've been trained to use. Mm-hmm. So, Kent, do you think we can reverse the damage that's been done? I mean, you know, how sad the suicides in our community, they'll go left unnoticed. But and I ask everybody this because people ask me this every hour, 24-7, is there any, is there any relief in sight? Uh, can we reverse the damage? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know about reversing damage. And I say that in reference to patients, because if you've suffered long enough, it, it can be hard to restore what health you had. Uh, I mean, I've got gray hair. If you look at me, I look like I'm in my 60s because of what I've gone through for the last 20 years. I've got gray hair. I don't color my hair. I'm happy to have hair at all after what I've been mm-hmm. through. And but, you've got nice bow ties, Ken. Just wanted to oh, give your bow ties you. a shout out. <laughs> and by the way, I really tie those. Those are not clip-ons. That was one of the things okay. I wanted to learn to do when I started feeling better was, well, I want to learn how to tie a bow tie. So I watched the YouTube video and learned how to, and I like, I like it. It takes a little more skill to tie a bow tie than a regular tie. But those, it's the joy in the little things, like just putting on a bow tie. That's enjoyable just to to feel like doing that. Mm-hmm. And to say that I actually like putting on a bow tie, is, <laughs> that's silly. But, you know, it's learning something new and actually feeling like doing it. But there's always hope. I want to tell people yeah. out there, there's hope. There's hope out there. I didn't, I got to a point where I didn't think there was, and I was ready to give up. And if you had told me a year and a half ago that I would be running for U.S. Senate and I could potentially be a serious candidate, I mean, the math works, so I'm a serious candidate, but. I would have laughed. I would have said, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. But here I am. And cannabis saved me. And people, we need options. And I, I just, you know, cannabis doesn't work for everyone, but it works for me. And if it, mm-hmm. if it works for other people, they should have the option for what works for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know that I know the pain community, they're going to say, well, I mean, is Kent, um, is he going to, is he sour on opiates now that he's found cannabis? But no, it doesn't because the pain community oh, me- is so... So fractured. Let me say something about that. Opiates were the best treatment option I had. 
it was reliable. It was consistent. You know, I, I could take it. I knew it was going to work. I knew how long it was going to last. Uh, opiates work best for me, but I will never go. Now I'm in pain. I'm always in pain. I don't expect to ever be pain-free, but the pain is not in my head anymore, and it's manageable with cannabis. So mm-hmm. it, even though it's the best I've felt in 20 years, I still live with pain. But yes, opiates would work better for me, but I, I'll never go back to pain management. I'll, I won't get back on that train. There's nothing you can do that would ever get me back into pain management. That is a nightmare scenario for people that are in it. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, it's worse than parole because you have to check in every 28 days. We're going to drug test you. We're going to stress you out. And it's awful. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's just worse. Just, it's yeah. worse than other states too. Tennessee may be 28 days, but other states, I know Florida is Oh, two weeks. Ridiculous. Yeah, two weeks. I mean, these yeah. doctors are just forced to, you know, jump through hoops. And and the go- the doctors who are out there prescribing, God bless them, because I'll get on the phone with a doctor and, you know, they're high prescribers. And we're like, uh, are you sure you want to do this? Because you have a 50-50 chance of, you know, getting raided and being sub- right. losing everything. You really only have a 50 50% survival rate, but these doctors, you know, like, don't get me wrong. While I support providers, I'm the first one to call a bad one out because I don't agree with these unnecessary steroid injections. And I saw that on the CDC portal, you know, the interventional pain management doctors are jumping on the portal and saying, you know, we need to um, really continue with the, the, the nerve ablations and the spinal stimulators uh, because we're going to lower addiction rates. But that's not, that's not what's happened. Our, no. our, our overdose rates, are will, and they will skyrocket, especially COVID. Uh, that's just, what? that's a, like a different, it's just going to get worse and worse. But you know, what's so disgusting is so many people have jumped on the opioid gravy train, right? You've got lawyers suing Purdue, which is bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And you've got, and, and then you've got the, 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 the spinal stimulators and the doctors uh, who promote, we're an opioid free uh, pain management center. And mm-hmm. we're just going to keep making money on you. We're just going to keep injecting you and you're going to take the antidepressants or else, or you're going to do the, you know, the surgery or else, but the word is out. And I take pride in knowing, you know what? I talk somebody out of having an injection. I talk somebody out of having another bogus surgery. And if that's, you know, if that's the only thing, if I'm successful at that, I'm happy because I want to bankrupt people that have that are making money off of the opioid crisis right. that that right. anger that, that's infuriating and these anti-opioid groups uh you know prop and and shatterproof and fed up these people the only way they can heal themselves is by making people who take opiates responsibly suffer and that's how they heal themselves but i'm sorry there needs to be accountability in the addictions community just as much as there needs to be accountability in all communities and it doesn't mean my community gets the short end of the stick to help you get through your pain that's not how it works but that's how it is working it's going to stop it's there's just no I feel like we're in a world where addict, you know, addicts get passes on everything. But now, I, as a mom to kids, um, uh, that was stupid to say. As a mom to kids, what else would I be a mom to? <laughs> <laughs> Ken, welcome to menopause. Ken, if you're not senator, you're gonna learn a whole lot about menopause. <laughs> but I, I get so, I get so, um, I come in hot because I think about the poor people who are suffering. Now, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but because you're in a state where cannabis is, it's not legal for anything. You can't even use it for medical use or god forbid recreational use are you worried about getting in trouble for using cannabis Uh, some family members are concerned Uh, i've reached the point that this is a fight i'm willing to have and uh i mean i consider every day a bonus day so you know this is like planting planting field and doing the work for the for the harvest later on and it's work and it's hard and it, it's not pleasant so th- that is a burden i'm willing to carry it's not something i wish to endure but uh, 
it's not like I'm hiding what works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it sounds like you're reborn now. You're reborn. I know just not having that burden, the pain management burden, that's gone. And that's a great feeling, right? Oh, oh it is. It is a glorious feeling. And I mean, before, and what's happening right now, it, it turns managing your health into a full-time job. And all you can do is worry about your next appointment. And it, it's, we, we need to get back to where patients can have quality of life and function and live. And doctors don't need to be in fear of, of treating patients for what they need. You know, the first rule of the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. Well, there's lots <laughs> of harm going on right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I think we can fix that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the and, war on drugs has not been a harm reduction strategy. It has not been a health-based strategy. It's created it's a, a, a it's class a, of a cl- harm, criminals. Yeah. Harm infliction model. Is yes. Very bad. And, you know, from the from both sides of this issue, um, from the addiction side, from the pain management side, you know, the, the overall, the overall common denominator here is the overreach of the government in, into our personal lives. And when you say doctor patient relationship, how many times have we said that Claudia on this show? How many times have we talked right. to doctors, lawyers, um, advocates and doctor patient relationship is so important. It's so sacred and really, it's not the government's business. It really is not. And and ever since the, everything the government gets involved in, they inflate it, they you know overcomplicate it, they waste money on it, and it becomes very inefficient. When you look at the educational system, when you look at the healthcare system, when you look at the war on drugs, it's just it's it's crazy. So. I hope, you know, we're, we're going to definitely support you for this Senate bid and we're going to, tr- we're going to, you know, recirculate this thing and get it out there. And every, anybody that's in Tennessee, you know, we're going to try to reach out to all the chronic pain patients. There's 30 million strong in the U.S. We need to get this word out because we do have somebody that's supporting CPP and understands from that perspective, actually running for office. And this is amazing. It's, it's, I'm going to send his name in every package we send. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> Every happy life package we sign, I make a little card. There you go. Yes, that's a great idea. Happy life herbals pr- uh, proudly right. supports right. Kent Morell and his run. Um, so, Kent, what happens now? Uh, when's the primary? Uh, primary for- is August. August sixth is the primary, and uh, the next six weeks, five and a half weeks, are covered up. I've got dinners and events to go to, so. I mean, we'll get the word out. I'm doing everything I can, and uh, with the involvement That's of the right. pain community, and I believe we can we can make a difference here. And if nothing else, I will put the fear of God in these candidates. If I can place well, this will this will illuminate what the problem is in the state for nobody to come out of of East Tennessee and to, and to show up well in this race with 13 people. That would make a statement in and of itself. Yeah. Just getting this conversation, just this dialogue is so important because it's on everybody will be affected. I have, you know, I use this expression, you're not affected until you're affected. And people, you know, everybody has a cause they fight for, but people like, "Ah, I don't, I'm not sick. I don't need pain medication. I would never take pain medication. But until you know, you're one accident away, one cancer diagnosis. What did Dan Laird say on my last show? Uh, Tim and Dave, he said at one point, 25% of the country will have cancer. Mm-hmm. And Kent, this is the, you know, where I'm, I, I'm receiving reports at first when I heard them, I said, oh, this can't be true. But now I'm receiving reports from nurses around the country that COVID-19 patients on ventilators, doctors don't want to give them opiates and keep them sedated properly because some patients were experiencing withdrawals when they were taken off the uh, respirators. And I said, who who cares? You know, they're worried about dependency, but dependency, you know, you, you don't have a, a good shot of surviving after being on a vent for 14 days. It's, it's slim, but can you imagine not wanting to, you know, give people the proper medication because they're worried is that worry is constantly in the back of the doctor's mind. What if the patient comes out addicted, addicted, 
this person's probably going to be dead. And you're worried about right. giving them. It's like a hospice patient. And this is where we are in the country. And we advocate all the time for people, uh, palliative care, close to end of life. It's, and it was unheard of four years ago. Oh, this would never affect the sickle cell community. Oh, absolutely. My sickle cell patients are suffering. My cancer patients, before cancer was the holy grail illness. Oh, doesn't matter if you have cancer. You don't want to be on drugs the rest of your life, do you? And that's what these doctors say to patients. There's, it's just like, I don't know. It's like this fate, this, this fog that just completely enveloped the medical community. And I'm thinking, my God, what are the new, like the newbies out of medical school? What are they going to think? Oh, what are they being oh, taught? It's bad. And people need to realize at some point you are going to be a patient and you want all the options available for you when you are a patient. My mother had a knee replacement last year. You know what they gave her in recovery? Mm -hmm. Tylenol. They gave her Tylenol after a knee replacement. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work because she has the same genetic issues that I have. Mm -hmm. I, it comes through my mother's line. So she was. it was awesome to watch my mother go through the misery she was going through until they finally got her the pain management that she needed. Oh, yeah. And, and they, you know, they, they did you, finally. You, yeah, and you will. And I tell people post-op, they're just trying to push the envelope. Don't let them push that envelope. You demand what you need or you get your lawyer on the phone. And it's really important for people to, um, you know, go on, leave a Google review, a Yelp review, because we have to stop people from getting these surgeries unless there's a promise in place. We will manage your pain. These people are touting um, opioid-free mastectomies. No thanks. I'm going to take a big fat pass on that one. Um, but you know what, leave it up to, if the, if the patient doesn't want pain medication, my brother, he was a cop. He was the biggest anti-opioid zealot. 100%. He passed one year ago, but it, you know, he was raised to believe all drugs are bad. And now we have people who are suffering, even if the medication's being offered, we have to make, and I think it's my, my greatest campaign ever, Kent, we have to make opioids great again. And it's, <laughs> you know, the false narrative, agree, the meat, right. you know, it's it's the media drive. It's the, the media is the driving force. But we want to get you media. We want to get you um, airtime. It's really this is a crucial time for a candidate um, to speak with the media and to ruffle feathers of, you know, what's his name? The the other one that that's all over the news in Tennessee. Who's running for Haggerty, Senate? Bill Haggerty. Haggerty. Agree. Yeah, right. we want we want to help you ruffle feathers. I already um, tweeted them and asked them what's his stance on cannabis. So already, I we'll mean, already that. starting. Yeah, we're not I'm we're not messing around. But we can't find well, Kent's Twitter. So Kent underscore Morell is the Twitter. Oh, there aren't many followers. I don't have a lot of posts yet. That's okay. You will by tomorrow morning. So Kent. Um, we have two minutes left. What 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 would you like to end the the program with? What what are your thoughts on everything? If if people are interested in helping, I just need to get the word out. I mean, donations are great. I can do a lot. I, can, I run a shoestring operation, but I, you know, the, the max donation would prevent would would print a thousand signs and five thousand door hangers, and I've got an all volunteer force. So if someone is going to donate, we'll put that money to good use. But what really helps is telling the story, getting the word out, telling your friends, sharing it on social media. It's just reaching people is what helps more than anything. And Ken, who is, you have volunteers. How many volunteers do you have now that are going to be hanging, you know, putting signs out and. Across, I don't actually know the number because I have volunteers organizing other volunteers. I've mm -hmm. probably got uh, 10 people across the state that, that are helping me organize. And then okay. from there, we'll have to see how it goes. Because like I said, this was supposed to be a practice run for me. So I'm just learning on sure. the fly. <laughs> and do you have a campaign manager or not yet? I have a friend that is volunteering, but it's, it's every 
there are no paid positions, so I have someone helping with. But I'm I'm a one man show on most things right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's how it starts, right? Nothing. Right. Um, you know, my my local rep was um t- he was at my home today, and I was telling him about you, and he said, "Oh, you know, why doesn't he? Maybe he'll want to vote for local office. I won't run um, for my my rep." I'm friends with my rep, so I'm not going to run against him. And that presents a problem because if I was going to run, it would be for a rep seat. And I think you're in that same situation, right? You don't want to go up against your. Well, well, I was initially, I thought about that, but I actually like my rep. He's supportive, my state rep. And and I spoke to him recently and told him the reason I'm not running against you is because I like you. And he, he said he appreciated that. So, Maybe he'll be our bill sponsor for the the bill you're working on in Rhode Island. That might be yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so so important. Uh, my rep received uh, I don't know thousands of emails from pain patients and lawmakers across the country, and we've been able to get a version of my bill in several other states. And it's it's not easy. It's you know three times probably a charm, but um, you know to the pain community who's out there listening, if you're in Tennessee and you want to help. Uh, volunteer for Kent's committee, um, you know, reach out to his website. Only if you can, we're in tough times, donate. But most importantly, get the word out. Reach out to media. Let the media know about Kent Morrell. Let's do what we can to bring awareness to the plight of the pain patient and cannabis reform. You know, people need cannabis. I think the guys wanted to maybe ask you about some, you know, cannabis questions. I'm not sure. Yeah, we wanted to, your experience. Your experience with it. Um, so you you had to find a certain strain that that worked for you. That's very interesting. And what what? How do you administer it? Do you vape it? Do you uh, you know? Do you have an oil RSO or? Well, let me uh, let me tell you how how I came to this. I, I discovered cannabis a while back because um, cannabis is. I mean, not cannabis. I'm sorry, CBD. I discovered CBD. CBD is legal in the state of Tennessee. I'm happy about that. I looked for quality CBD for a long time and finally found some locally that was manufactured. And after ordering custom batches from Colorado, the CBD was the initial entrance into the cannabis world. And, uh, you know, with legal states, there are places you can go to try different options. And you do what you have to do. So the oil is what works best for me, that delivery. So I don't actually enjoy smoking. I used to be a cigar smoker. So learning how to inhale smoke was a new thing for me. It was a foreign idea, being a cigar smoker. You don't inhale into your lungs. So if I'm having an emergency, like when I was dealing with the anxiety and the depression, smoking it was the most immediate help that, that kept my finger off the trigger for a good long time. And so if someone needs to smoke it or rape it, do what you have to do for it to work. But the oil method is what works best for me. Mm. Do you still take CBD or no? I do. You do? I use both. Yep. Can I, can we send you a sample? I'm, I'd love a sample. That'd be great. But Kent, we're not going to send. We're not going to send you the suppositories. No, no, those are for Claudia only. So Less. can, can Claudia send your address to us? You have his address, I'll, send it to, I'll, I'll send it to her. Okay. Send it to you. Cool. Or I think it's, but we won't send you this. We were, you know, I don't know how this happened, but a few weeks ago when we were talking, I said, oh, you guys should have, you know, suppositories because I can't swallow the CBD oil. Um, I gag. I can't anything. I just gag the THC. Okay, Somebody terrible. sent, yeah. oh, and a doctor sent me a chocolate bar from Maine. He's like, try this. You'll sleep better at night. Sleep. I was gagging. I said, I don't need to sleep. Never mind. But some people can, um, you know, same with Kratom. And we're all about if it works for you, you should be able to have access, whether Absolutely. it's Kratom. Yeah. Right. I agree with that. It, 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 I know we laugh about the suppository method, but I know people with Crohn's, and that's the delivery method yeah. method that works best yeah. for them. So was, whatever was, whatever works, I, I I think you should go with what works. Yeah, I was yeah, telling a, I was uh, telling Claudia about RSO. Um, a lot of Crohn's patients uh, take RSO with a suppository and have very very good results with that. Um, right. I don't know how the buzz is uh, with that. That's there's a very you know miss there's a big misconception that 
the cannabis, you know, the high off of cannabis is going to make you do crazy things or something, you know, and it's, it's, that's so untrue. That's so untrue. I mean, there's nothing, I mean, if you consider throwing your car keys in the garbage and trying to start your car with a banana peel crazy, then that's probably what, that's probably the extent of it. But, um, there's just, there's just so many, so many false narratives out there and, and they, spun this thing and made this drug war into something totally uh totally overbearing on the on the on the on the world it's actually a worldwide thing and it's it's not just in the united states we have a lot of addicts here uh which complicates things um and i think that that depression and anxiety you were talking about earlier i think we have a problem with that uh here in, in the u.s and we don't really you know they're they're quick to give out uh you know their different zolofts and and things like that. Oh, yes. They love, else, you know, you know, they, anything that, you know, the, the, uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors and stuff, they, they like to mess with your brain chemicals, but anything that, that nature provides is, uh, you know, not acceptable. So we're fighting the good fight. You're fighting the good fight. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today, Ken. I mean, it just opened my eyes to, you know, that real people are out there trying to make a difference in this thing. And it's not just a bunch of uh, greedy uh, bureaucrats trying to, you know, squeeze dollars out of everything. It's there. Oh, yeah. we, there's always hope when there's somebody fighting and you are definitely a fighter. And I got to I got to give you kudos on that. Thanks for sticking through that tough fight. I know it was tough for you. I know you had a lot of days where you didn't know if you wanted to, you know, live or die. And that's a very important conversation that, 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 that paradigm that you put out there and, and willing, and you're admitting that and you're open about that is a very strong, it's a very strong story because a lot of times people don't want to know that a lot of people, they lift up that rock. They don't want to see what's underneath it. They just want to say, Oh, I just, you know, everything's fine. I don't, I don't want to pay attention to what's going on over here, but I think they're very important conversations to have, and they're not conversations you can have in a in a in a 280 character tweet or a, a YouTube video or a commercial or or an interview, a three minute interview on Fox or whatever. These are conversations right. that need to be have in this in this space, so people can hear the whole thing. So, right. um, we really appreciate you being on, and Claudia, we appreciate you. Uh, yeah, once you're again. senator, and, we'll get you back on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, when you're you senator, yeah, and you know what, Ken? It, it, if you're not senator, you're going to be something. You're going to be some. You'll you'll be in another office, and we support you. Don't punish pain. Rally supports you. And look at that. You have so, two applause. Everyone, everyone, if you if you would like to support Kent and his bid for Senate, please visit his website. It's www.kentmorell2020.com. There's a button on there to contribute uh, and donate. Uh, please help out with that. And of course, as always, make sure you support Claudia Mirandi and the Don't Punish Pain Rally. That is uh, don'tpunishpainrally.com or catch her at the Doctor Patient Forum. That is the Doctor Patient Forum, all one word, dot com. Make sure you subscribe and rate the DAP. Share it with everybody you know. Spread the knowledge. Spread the love. That's what we're all about. And if you want to listen to our episode we just dropped, it's pretty interesting. Uh, we dropped episode 87, How the War on Drugs is a Racist War, and how Johnson & Johnson makes a lot more than just baby powder. Right? Yes. I'm talking about opium. We're talking about opium, folks. So just make sure you always subscribe, share, Thanks for tuning in. And don't in. forget where to get your CBD. Of course. Everybody knows. Happylifeherbals.com. Put a code in there. Oh, summer 2020. There you go. Take care, everybody. Take care. See ya. Thanks, guys. Thank you.